We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Gold. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or you're a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Stéphane LeCoe. Joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Matt Wispay. This podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Blue Wire, FFPC, Bet Online, and of course, this is a Rotoviz presentation, and we are excited to be here. Matthew, how are you? I am wonderful. I just had to crack up a mo- crack a monster because today was a long work day, and I was tired. Yeah, I got to bring that energy. I, that. I was texting you last night and I was like, yeah, he probably won't get back to me until tomorrow. And then I saw like the timestamp when you responded was at like 3.45 a.m. I was like, oh my God, what is what is Matt doing waking up so early? I know you wake up early anyway, but geez, 3.45. Yeah, I actually woke up a little before that. Um, uh, recently haven't actually been sleeping till my alarm, which is insane when I tell you that my alarm is set at 3.45 in the morning every day during the week. Because I'm a crazy person. You you certainly are that. Um, and we've talked about this before, but you know, that's uh, it's how you're producing all this top level content. Yeah, that's uh, we'll go with that, and not that I'm just yeah. stupid and can't work out at five in the afternoon like a normal person. No, I I also prefer early morning workouts, but for me, early morning is like six a.m. 
not whatever time you're doing well, it's, it. Oh. It's now moved my work schedule. Now I'm basically working 6 a.m. to 2 rather than 8 to 4. So, yeah, no, that's nice. Uh, so other than your work schedule, what, what kind of stuff do you have coming out here for uh, for Rotoviz? What, what do we have to look forward to? So we've had this uh, this NFL draft prospect series that you and I have both taken part in. Uh, recently released the Arizona State and USC article. And before that, I went with the greatest team in the history of the world, Ohio State. But I'm working on right now Penn State. Just putting this out there. Penn State's boring. Um, I, I want to... I'm. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to read the article because they do have some very, very fun prospects at the running back position and the tight end position. I'm just going to tell everyone, don't go looking to Penn State for wide receivers. Don't go to Penn State looking for a quarterback because you will be sadly disappointed. And uh, beyond that, I'm starting to do a little bit of prep work for what will hopefully be a season, my in-season article, assuming a season happens. I am taking over the When the David Breaks series from Jordan. However, it'll be under a different name because I respect his creativity on that one and I have to do some legwork on my own. But hopefully that'll be a fun one where we run down some of the better um, prospect platforms in each one of the major conferences um, for some of the bigger players and also my goal is to have a group of five game of the week. And you know what? Because it was so fun last year, I'll probably throw in some betting advice on the end of it. So it's going to be a good article this year. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, we were talking about a group of five right before we hit record. And uh, we were just looking at the importance of including them in this in these types of articles. It's, it's like I was like, yeah, I think last year there was like three top scoring off like three top 10 offenses and uh, from the group of five. And you're like, nope, it was way more than that. It was pretty crazy when we looked at the numbers. Hey, shootouts are fun. Yeah, we ended, we realized there was like like five, like half the half the top 10 and in, in scoring points were uh, from that from that that range of uh, schools, a group of five um, question regarding that article. Do you think you'll be focusing more on individual players? Will you be talking more about uh, like strategies for Debbie um, in season? What, what kind of perspective do you think you'll be focusing most on? It'll probably be a little bit of a mix. Um, if any of you know me, you know that I'm pretty ADD and can't really stay focused on one specific topic. So it, It'll be player highlights to help either identify some potential sleepers because I like digging a little bit deeper and not just telling you the the top 10 that we all kind of agree on. But I do want to like you're going to get probably at least two sentences every week for me about Justin Fields. You're probably going to get <laughs> at least some type of highlight about the Clemson wide receiver core because they're super interesting this year. I'm not ever going to not mention Chuba Hubbard because Chuba Hubbard is amazing. And um yeah, I mean, it, I, I think the overall goal is going to be to help identify players that are on the rise and that maybe you should be looking to send a trade offer for because obviously midseason you're not doing a lot of... Your sure. draft's done. Your Debbie draft has already happened. It's probably happening in the next couple of weeks or it already happened this offseason. So the goal of it is either going to be to have players that you should know early that maybe haven't broken out, that maybe won't break out before the end of the year, but are players that are getting enough volume that you should be paying attention to, or it'll be 
identifying players that you should be targeting for trades that are likely already owned. So, I, I mean, for me, I know one of the guys that just going into this without any idea of what the season will look like, I know one of the guys I'm going to focus on this year a lot is probably going to be Theo Weiss from Oklahoma. Right? I now, actually, of- I was going to say Theo Weiss. I'm actually looking at his name right now. That is, that was a very weird moment that we just so <laughs> Theo Weiss was in. Oklahoma had the most absurd clat recruiting class in 2019 with wide receivers. I believe Weiss was a high four star, maybe even a low five star prospect, um, which went with Jaden Hazelwood, who was the number one wide receiver in the country in that class. And the problem is, is right now Weiss is getting drafted about like third, fourth round in these drafts. And the problem is he hasn't really done a whole lot. He hasn't actually gotten on the field all that much. And it was largely because their offense is loaded. So he's a guy that I'm kind of keeping an eye on because if he does start to edge towards that like 25, 30% market share, when it starts to be obvious, like three to four games in, he's going to be a guy I'm going to tell you to target. So that's kind of the the people I'm looking at. And then maybe even some of these, some of the running backs that haven't, like I know I keep saying that this is a really rough running back class, but there are going to be a few guys that do pop. And one of the guys, um, Trey Sermon's a really interesting guy for that. He's definitely owned, but he's probably a guy that you might be able to acquire. And then, I mean, I'll, I'll give the name that I'm going to mention in my article, and that's it's Journey Brown. Journey Brown might be a guy that if he is continues to be efficient as his workload grows, maybe he continues that running back lineage from Penn State. Journey Brown is a guy who obviously I really hope breaks out this year because I was talking him up early on last year before he's your I tuba. probably even yeah he's my boy, uh, but um, one of the things that surprised me about him is he already gets drafted pretty early. Like people are already expecting this this jump to happen, so I feel like people are overpaying on what he has done. So I think it could be people who own him will not part with him if he starts doing well. But anyway, the reason I was looking at Theo Weiss's name is because I've been uh, prepping for my upcoming article in that same uh, NFL draft prospect series where uh, my next article will be on Oklahoma. And you were talking about how Penn State wasn't very fun. Oklahoma is super fun. Like their quarterback room is insane. Like Spencer Rattler, Tanner Mordecai, those some people are saying maybe Tanner Mordecai will start. They're wrong. It's definitely Spencer Rattler. Um, but then, like, you've got the number one quarterback um, committed to them for the class of 2021 and Caleb Williams, and he is going to be fun. Like, the dude is awesome. So Oklahoma is set for, you know, the next four to five years, maybe longer, at quarterback, and it's just going to be um, insane. So I'm really excited for, for that one to come out. Uh, it's going to be good times. And then um, I have a couple of um, articles in the works for um, NFL fantasy stuff so uh some some players i'm higher on than consensus uh if you're interested in just regular redraft rankings uh the rotoviz team we just released ours earlier this week so go check those out on the website um as far as this episode goes we have some good stuff coming up we've got um just some news and notes that we want to go through real quick talk a little bit about uh what's going on in the landscape and then uh want to talk real briefly about a couple of rookie wide receivers that are in the league now, I want to get your thoughts on them after uh, Sean Siegel just related, uh, excuse me, just posted an article a couple of days ago. I want to get your opinion on that. And then we'll jump into our way too early top 10 uh, and talk about a couple of uh, maybe surprises we have in store there. 
Uh, so yeah, so we got a good show coming up. Really excited for it. But Matt, I know you have an FFPC stat attack for us. Hit me with it. Today's FFPC stat attack is eight teams that were ranked in the preseason top 10 finished there at the end of the year. The only two teams that didn't uh, retain their spots were Texas and Notre Dame. They were replaced by Penn State and Minnesota. Yeah, that is super interesting because we will be going into the top 10 later on here. It's interesting to see how close so many of these are. But before we jump into all of that, I want to let you know that FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to MyFFPC, that's MYFFPC.com. And of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz designed specific, specifically for FFPC domination. I know we have like five different ones that'll help you out there. So check that out. Head over to MyFFPC and uh, use Rotoviz to ensure your domination. All right. I just saw a couple days ago that Urban Meyer, I think this is on... Fox News, so you know, <laughs> great resource uh, but, uh, for. But college. Urban Meyer, but Urban Meyer did say this. Um, he said uh, um, re- regarding whether or not he was confident if we were going to have college football this year. He said two weeks ago, yes. Last week, medium. I'm back to yes. We're going to play. We're going to play. I've just got so much confidence the way these universities are handling things right now. I love the fact that we went conference only because now they have control over the protocol and start stop dates, etc. I'm optimistic right now. Um, he didn't necessarily say, um, he said, I didn't say every conference is going to play. I didn't say every team is going to play. I said, we're going to play football. I really believe that conferences, presidents, ADs, and the commissioners are going to work together with the head coaches and they're going to work this thing out. Does Urban Meyer's optimism give you any more reason for hope? I know you've been kind of, uh, doubtful that this thing is going to start in the fall. So I actually, the more I think about certain aspects of this the more i actually gain a little bit of optimism and i and what i will say to that is what he's talking about with the conference only scheduling and the protocols is that you don't have to worry about if the big 10 sets a rule about um you have to have testing at this time this time and this time you have to be isolated for 24 hours before the game you have to do this it's a lot easier to implement that within conference games so what you'll have is in a game that's like Purdue and Ohio State, when they go play each other, you can be fairly confident that those two programs will go through the exact same protocols and that no team is being exposed to a different condition. Whereas if you were to bring in a Toledo um, to go against Ohio State, you now have to worry about, one, do they have the funding to upkeep upkeep all the testing and really put them through the same rigorous procedures that you can have with an Ohio state, which is just because the difference in, I mean, conference funding. So Ohio state gets money from the big 10 Purdue gets money from the big 10. Now they can operate at a safer measure. Whereas the Mac may not necessarily have all of that. And the schools that are coming in for a payday game, um, they may not want to spend a chunk of that payday money, which is largely funding their athletic department to, test more so it it is sort of it's while i do think that's base level necessity like everyone has to be going through the same procedures it is the type of thing that actually does give me a little bit of optimism because it does allow for like you can you can do a postponed game um if all of a sudden you find there's an outbreak and you need to like 
rather than forcing a team to forfeit you because you now only have eight to 10 weeks worth of games, you can potentially move games a lot easier. So it's just interesting. Um, I'm not going to say I'm optimistic. I'm not going to say I'm a yes, there's going to be football, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure from the president, from the networks and from the conferences to get certain teams playing. What I will say to that is I don't think there will be much group of five this year, which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. But I also don't know. We, it also may feel like a very throwback year because I don't necessarily think that we're going to have our, I don't necessarily think we're going to have bowl games. I don't necessarily think we're going to have a playoff. I think there's a chance that it feels very old school and our national champion is picked by a poll. Which yeah, will be gross. Be weird. Yeah, that would be weird. And I don't even want to think about that. But right? uh, the thought <laughs> of some football is better than no football. That's that's for sure. I do, yeah, I do think... Well, here's the thing. We have a couple of weeks yet before, you know, things start, like, within the next few weeks, we're going to know a lot more because <laughs> there's only so much time they can delay. Um, and with our schedule, you and I's, uh, I'm going to be taking off for the next couple of weeks here. I'm going to be off the grid, um, going, um, camping in my trailer with no internet access. So by the time I'm back, you'll know everything and you'll have to let me know what, what all took place while I was gone. But when we jump up back on the podcast, it's not like most weeks though. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of true. Um, wait, true you, you informing, you, you informing me or me being off the grid. I'm not off the grid, but you do inform me. Um, more than me. No, but I do think it will be, uh, I think there'll be a lot more information available and we'll be able to assess kind of what's taking place. Um, Kind of one of the things that we were talking about last week, I think after we stopped recording, we were talking just a little bit about Notre Dame um, because we were referencing like, you know, spoiler alert, our top 10. Um, But uh, we were talking like, what, what could scheduling look like for them? And I thought it was interesting. I saw earlier this week, the ACC commissioner, John Swafford, he said that if um, the league adopts an all-conference football schedule for 2020, Notre Dame will likely be in the mix. Uh, The Irish already have six ACC opponents on their docket this year, so they would likely pull them in. Um, If that weren't the case, there are other ways in which uh, Notre Dame could be an exemption from the only conference games for, for a lot of teams. So they would do only conference games plus games against Notre Dame. So uh, that was interesting. I think one of your big takeaways when we were chatting last week was you couldn't imagine if there is a football season uh, that it would be without Notre Dame. No no one wants Notre Dame to sit this out. Like, let's be very clear about, about one thing. For as much as Notre Dame isn't the quote-unquote powerhouse, isn't the relevant school that they were in the 80s, isn't the the national real contender that maybe their ranking would have you believe they sure do draw eyeballs. And if the power five, if the ACC is going to play, if the big 10 is going to play, whatever, if you get those five conferences playing this year, NBC is not going to let Notre Dame not be a part of it. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's why I say, I think like we're going to, we, it's going to, it might get feel a little bit dirty, if we do actually play this year, because I do think there's going to be so much pressure from the networks and the number one pressure uh, network out there, I would say is going to be NBC because they have the exclusive rights to Notre Dame 
and they don't necessarily want to be left out in the cold this year, especially because I'm not going to lie to you. We might have record breaking um, football numbers this year. We might have the best ratings we've ever seen just because we're also like just wanting this feel of normalcy and college Mm -hmm. football feels normal. Yeah, totally. Uh, And for a lot of people, and I'm not going to get political here, uh, but for a lot of people, the NFL has become so politicized, whereas college football feels a little bit pure for some people. So I could see even a lot of people who are no longer wanting to watch the NFL, uh, being very happy to see some college football. Um, but to your point about the the TV network stuff, the the one of the articles I was reading about Notre Dame specifically mentioned that like all the games that were already scheduled to be on NBC, like there's no way that they're just going to pass those up. So uh, finding some way for Notre Dame to be playing football, I think will take place. So I think they're the biggest independent school that we have to think about. But one of the other things that they uh, mentioned in this article was that the possibility of you know, all the independent schools just kind of forming an independent conference, you know, and, and playing I mean, each other, I, in which case Notre Dame would go undefeated. But <laughs> I actually think it'll be, this might be a very interesting season because what it may end up doing is it may lead to the, this could be one of the big steps that actually leads to the true super conferences, right? So right now, like the right. bigger conferences are like 14 teams, maybe how big is the SEC? I don't know. 14-ish teams, maybe 15, 16 teams. I think we're not super far away from a point where there are five 20 team conferences that basically encompasses all of the FBS. And this would be potentially. And at that point is when you do have the kind of forcing of the hand of a Notre Dame to go and join a true conference. I think if this season happens, um, it could be a step in that direction. Yeah. Just because and there, it, it, yeah, it, there are be 14 for other C teams, but yes, <laughs> I'm an, correct. 14. I, I'm a decent guesser. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I just mean by that, I think like, I, I don't think we're going to, I think conferences are not going to stay in their current states for 50 years. I think that because there's so much money in this and because there's so much control um, that these teams want to have the idea that you could have, really five entities that control college football. Um, I think that's going to potentially be a way. And I don't, in that situation is when you force Notre Dame's hand to join a conference. And this is all way down the road or a way off topic, but it's basically all just because I think that if we do have a pure power five season, that's the type of thing that it just makes it a little easier for these conferences to say, and for the networks to say, Hey, look, this worked out great. Everyone loved it. Let's do more of it. Yeah, totally. And I think too, like we've already seen these conferences growing over the last couple of years. I mean, it's still, I still forget that the Big Ten consists of also- 14 teams. Right. And Maryland and Rutgers are two of them and they're like on the East Coast and it's so weird to me. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely odd. Uh, but, but I think you are correct. I think that it's kind of like already been happening slowly, but I, I could see this kind of speeding up the process. Uh, so, so Sean Siegel, one of our uh, esteemed colleagues at Rotoviz, had a, a really interesting article drop earlier this week, um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So, it's the the title of it is the 2020 wide receiver class doesn't quite match the epic group from 2014, but there are still five rookies that you should be stockpiling in redraft. So we know that oftentimes uh, it takes a little while for receivers to get going in the NFL in their first year. But Sean isn't even just talking from a dynasty perspective, but even just this season, 
five guys that he thinks uh, based on their ADP, as well as what we can expect them to produce from a numbers perspective, uh, people that we should be targeting in a redraft. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. And so what he did was uh, he used the the win the flex tool, as well as uh, looking at ADP to kind of see who we can um, kind of point out as being values. And, and the five names he came up with are Brandon Ayuk, Jalen Rieger, LaVisca Chenault, Hamler, and Chase Claypool, KJ Hamler, that is. Uh, so so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on these guys uh, specifically, and then also um, just overall this rookie class of wide receivers. We love them as prospects, but how you feel for them this season, not in like a dynasty season, but like in 2020, given all the parameters of training camps being limited, maybe only having one preseason game, et cetera, uh, what you think. So again, uh, let's start with uh, Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk's ADP is 176 overall. Um, and according to uh, Sean's research, you know, you can project about 107-ish points uh, for him. So what do you think about Ayuk this year? So before I, I guess, before I get my take on Ayuk, uh, I know you're my boss, Sean, but that is a wordy title. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, still love you, but boy, that is a wordy title. So, uh, Ayuk, um, you got to love first round capital. He is a player that pretty much blew up in one final season at Arizona State. I think he's, I think he's a good player, um, but kind of I, quietly. Like we, we didn't talk about him all that much last season. Yeah, but I, it, the thing is, is I didn't think he was a pro prospect. I, honestly, like I, I can say this. I had shares of him in college fantasy. I knew he, he was kind of killing it. His stock came out of nowhere. And to say that we, or to say that he was a prospect at the beginning of last year was largely a disservice to really anyone who follows our procedures of look for, <clears throat> look for productive wide receivers. He wasn't that going into last year, he had 474 career receiving yards and three touchdowns. Are those numbers fine? Sure. If that's a season, during your freshman year, but he wasn't exactly that type of guy. I think what you, so for him to, I guess, have this blow up final year with nearly 1200 yards and eight touchdowns, it was really the fact that he looked so good on film and he looked so good on film because he improved and he ended up getting on the field and doing very, uh, doing very well. So I, I mean, I can't really say, Oh, I dislike him because I don't think he was a great prospect, but I he sort of is like he's sort of a Hakeem Butler type. He very well might be good. He very well might end up doing this. But the difference between him and Hakeem Butler was the fact that he got first round capital, Hakeem Butler's day three capital. And because of that, I think, particularly with the Debo Samuel news, he's likely gonna be on the field mm-hmm. right away. Now the issue with uh him is the fact that that offense just might not throw the ball very much. Sure. It might be very run heavy. And at best, I think Ayuk is probably third in line for targets on that team behind Kittle and uh if Samuel's healthy, Samuel. Um, so I I like it. I think he, he probably is at, if you can get him super late, he's probably a pretty solid value. Don't ever think about reaching for him. There are better names. Right. And I think that's the point is that you don't really have to reach for him. He goes, he goes pretty late. Uh, Jalen Rieger goes a little bit ahead of him. 
Uh, he's someone who I want to have a whole lot of faith in, but I feel like there are so many wide receivers. And I'm not saying there's so many great wide receivers in Philadelphia. There's just so many wide receivers in Philadelphia that it seems difficult to um, envision a ton of targets for him. But Rager is, uh, you know, going fourth or fifth out of the rookie wide receivers. So so what do you think of, of Rager this year? Do you think he provides a lot of value for this in redraft forms? I do, actually. He's probably would. I mean, he would definitely be my favorite for 2020 of all all rookie wide receivers. He would be Are my you favorite based uh, on value or just based on overall production regardless. I think overall production regardless. Um, I say this because Alshon Jeffrey is injured. Uh, there are some reports that believe he's going to start the year um, on the pup list. Yeah. On the pup list, there's clearly a lack of faith in uh, Nelson Aguilar. He really did struggle last year. And then beyond that, you're talking about JJ Arcega Whiteside. You're talking about Greg Ward. Um, and you're talking Deshaun about like Jackson. Matt. Well, yeah, Deshaun Jackson, assuming he's still with the team at that point, but Deshaun Jackson's not a huge volume guy. So now you're talking, I mean, it's a potentially missing a chunk of the year. Alshon Jeffrey, a guy that has lost a lot of faith. Nelson Aguilar. Deshaun Aguilar in Las, is in Las Vegas. By oh, the way. that is a yes. good point. Well, <laughs> this is what I get for looking at last year's list. Uh, oh, he was very irrelevant though. Like, was. It was a very underrated so, uh, or while there yeah. is, there is talent on that team. Really your biggest competition for targets is going to be Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And yeah. really it's going to be Zach Ertz. I think there's a chance that, I mean, I don't think it's inconceivable. He's third on the team in targets. And I think it's even within his, it's in his like 95th percentile outcome that he's second, but that would be a great year for him. So I I think if there's a guy, sorry, go ahead. I, I think there's a chance that he ends up with 75 targets and, Probably if he ends up with like six or seven scores, yeah, he's he's really solid and that might lead all rookies. Yeah, I was going to say he's someone that if he starts off super slow, um, I'm going to be throwing out trade offers for him like crazy because I could see the type of thing where without much preseason uh, takes him a little while to get going. But as you said, they are desperate for some someone at the wide receiver position to uh, be able to contribute so he could be someone who uh, gains value if uh, and someone that i'll be looking at uh hopefully he starts off slow and i can get some shares because so far i have none um and that's that's a shame but someone who i do have a lot of shares of is lavisca chenault uh he is of course um over in jacksonville he is being taken really late he's being taken his adp is 236 right now so you can get him super late in drafts i think he could be the wide receiver two in jacksonville uh behind dj chark uh, of course, you have a couple other guys there um, that will be, you know, fighting for targets as well. You probably have a, a fairly low ceiling with that offense. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on Chenault? Of course, uh, he hails from uh, my Colorado Buffaloes. Um, so what, what do you think about him? Chenault's really interesting. Um, looking at that roster, because now I'm doing the smart thing and I'm actually looking at the 2020 roster and not the 2019 <laughs> stats. Um I mean, your biggest competition for that wide receiver two slot is D.D. Westbrook, Key or Chris Conley. Um, yeah. It's Keelan not Cole, maybe, but I mean, yeah. Keelan Cole at this point sort of feels like he's gone by the wayside. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm writing him off too quickly. 
but he sort of seems like he's out of it. I also, I don't think, I, I mean, do you think Leonard Fournette's going to get 80 targets or what did he get? Maybe it was, no, even no, more. I he had a hundred targets last year. I'm sorry. Uh, I think, think Leonard he Fournette certainly won't, but Chris Thompson being there, I think, I think they could still throw a lot of, I, I love Chris Thompson. If Chris Thompson, if you could tell me Chris Thompson was going to start 16 games or was going to play 16 games, I would be telling you to draft Chris Thompson every single draft. The problem is right. Chris Thompson plays like seven games and is then done for the year. And that but I think the feels I think like they'll still have a lot of targets going towards the running back position. Was was my point? But yes. But I made. But what if? And hear me out here. What if that's Lavisca Chenault playing like an H back role? What if that's, that's Lavisca Chenault yeah. taking those in like screens? Because with Chenault, you're talking about a very, very athletic receiver who is incredibly versatile, who is probably best used in a way where he is just getting the ball a lot and kind of making stuff happen. That's what he did at, at Colorado, because let's be very clear here. Colorado was not a good offense. Lavishka Schnault was good. Um, I'm not even going to pretend to fight you on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's, their quarterback did not get drafted, um, and there's a reason. They were not good. So I would say he is probably value-wise my second favorite out of this class for redraft. Yeah, great. These last two, we probably don't have to spend too much time on because uh, actually in in many of the drafts I've been in, they're not even getting drafted. Uh, That's KJ Hamler, who is now with the Denver Broncos and Chase Claypool for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're both going uh, just about just under pick 300. Uh, do you like either of these two guys uh, if for for dine uh, for fantasy football? I think for real football, we can see the value they bring. But for fantasy production, what do you think? For if I'm going to keep it to what he was talking about in this case, which was best ball, and in best ball formats, I do kind of like Hamler. Um, I don't think he's going to get a lot of volume. That offense, boy, is it crowded now. Um, but he kind of has the I don't want to say Miko Hardman upside because he's not as good as Miko Hardman, but he has so he may have a very similar production profile in the sense of you aren't going to want to use him every week. If it's a traditional lineup roster management league, he's probably just going to be a headache on your roster. So he's not worth touching unless injuries happen. But we saw he, he has the opportunity to take the top off a of defense and he does have the chance to score whenever he gets a reasonably deep pass. So I think if you're talking about like the last round and you're just looking at the wide receiver three on Minnesota or KJ Hamler, I mean, go with Hamler, get some speed on your roster and hope that three weeks during the year he scores. Well, especially considering how difficult it's going to be for defenses to cover Judy Sutton and Noah Fant and Albert O, you know, like Hamler could, like you said, just run straight down the scene and get a 85-yard touchdown pass. So, yeah, he definitely has that huge upside. Chase Claypool is a guy I'm interested in seeing. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense was such a shit show last year after Big Ben went down. I'm curious to see what they can do um, with, hopefully, a healthy Big Ben. Uh, I think Juju's going to get right. Everyone's been really, everyone's high on, uh, well, Couple like a month and a half ago, everyone was super high on Deontay Johnson as a breakout. Uh, but Chase Claypool has an opportunity to uh, really uh, see some see some market share there. I don't think it's going to be huge, but uh, the the potential is definitely there. And uh, I, I thought it was a good call out. Yeah, I'm with you. Good. All right. Well, 
let's um, just real quick before we uh, move into uh, the rest of it, I just want to give you a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Um, as you know, sports are coming back. I was delighted to watch uh, some Seattle Sounders football uh, last night. Uh, a nice victory for them. Uh, but but sports are back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on this week's action for the big UFC fight, or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Welcome into Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. We love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, Royal Podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one year Rotoviz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRadio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Uh, before we jump into our way too early top 10, I did just want to give a quick, just like kind of housekeeping about what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. So as I mentioned, the next couple of weeks, uh, we will be taking a quick break. Uh, but when we get back, we're going to do some, we'll have some guests on. We're, we're looking to have Curtis, Patrick, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, have him on the show, and then Travis May, who we talked about last week, who just started off with his uh, College to Canton podcast, which is really great. Uh, another good episode dropped this last week, so do check that out. But we're going to have them on to talk about uh, various things. And one of the things I'm excited to do is uh, just do some uh, overall, like talk with the other guys who do the Debbie ranking on the site and just talk about why we have people ranked in various positions, get some good debates going. That'll be really fun. Um, and then I, I think, Matt, I think I wanted to talk to you and why not do it in front of our, our lovely listening audience? What would you uh, prefer to do? Do you want to do conference previews or positional previews um, when we get back? What, what sounds more interesting to you? Hmm, that's a tough question. I, I mean, they're both fun. Um, we tend to be a fantasy football podcast. I think Correct. we would very likely be doing a disservice if we didn't focus more on players um now we can do positional previews where we hit quarterback running back wide receiver tight end and then we can come i'm all for let's do a a show after that that uh does a roundup of all the conferences and we hit them in warp speed well we if if we're getting pushed back to spring we may not need to do warp speed so speed (laughs) yeah well cool that's what we'll do then that'll be good stuff i'm excited um, we can't yeah. forget about it because it is going to happen. It's just we're waiting until we get some clarification. Um, right. We are doing our against the spread draft. We are going to make yes. our picks. We are going to do it. We will have a donation to charity at the end of it. Um, we just need to figure out what what's college football is going to look like, because obviously if it's spring, I'm probably not going to pick Ohio State because I don't really feel as confident that they're going to dominate everyone when Justin Fields isn't the quarterback. Well, spoiler alert, 
You already said I got the first pick. You ain't getting Ohio State no matter what. Don't you lie to me. You're going to take Clemson because you love Clemson. Uh, but my my logic here is that I can maybe get Clemson with my with my second pick. I know for sure I won't be able to get Ohio State if I don't take them number one overall. Sure. So <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, before we hit our top ten, I would love to hear just a team that's kind of um, not not being looked at too highly this year. Maybe they're outside of the top ten. And just for everyone's reference, we're using uh, the NCAA had a column come out on July sixteenth ranking. Um, their top 25 for this upcoming season. So we're kind of based on that. So looking beyond like the top 20 or so, what's a, a kind of a long shot candidate that you could see make the jump? I'm thinking about a team like uh, Minnesota last year that kind of maybe didn't come out of nowhere, but they definitely were not being considered that highly. So who are a couple teams for you? Uh, or maybe give me one and I'll give you one of mine and we can go back and forth. So number one on my list of team that I think could be a dark horse is... Arizona State. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about me. Um, I'm a big fan of Jaden Daniels. Um, he is, I I wrote it, it much more explicitly on the uh, the show doc, but bold, he, bold and underlined. Yep. Um, so Jaden Daniels is um, realistically, I think he's one of the best QBs in the country. I think as a dual threat quarterback, he has the opportunity to change a game. And even though that team is losing Brandon Ayuk and is really going to be kind of focused around the youth at the wide receiver position, and they're, I guess they're losing this guy named Eno, must have been a scrub. But I've never heard of him. They, uh, they do have two very talented running backs coming in. It's it's going to be a weirdly good offense. And like I said, I think Jane Daniels is game changing when he's on the field. And I I do think that even though NCAA has them ranked twenty uh, fifth right now. They're the type of team that could be top 15 at the end of the year. And I actually think they're going to be the type of team that does well with this conference only schedule, largely because, I mean, they're, I don't know. They won't have a stupid non-conference game where they slip up. Right. And and they've got great coaching as well. So I think, I think that's a really good, a really good team to go with. I am curious if Jaden Daniels is the one quarterback who you have moved up your ranks the most, because I'm looking at our, uh, our Debbie rankings on the website are about to be up, updated. They haven't been updated yet, uh, but you have him as your wide, as your, sorry, your quarterback nine, according to our old ranks. And so I'm guessing he is no longer there. No, um, you're, you are making me go look. Um, I did. I will say I was disappointed in myself after I wrote this article and how I actually felt about Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels was uh, was probably in that QB9 range. I'm going to tell you right now, Jaden Daniels is not my QB9. Jaden Daniels is now my QB6. QB6. QB six. So I yeah, you've moved him up. Behind Trey Lance and Keaton Slovis. Okay. I think that he's more talented than Keaton Slovis, but right now... I don't think I can have the justification to put him over him yet. And that's largely because of size. If Jaden Daniels was 205 pounds, he might be in the conversation right with how. And, and, and he might be in two years when he enter, enters the NFL. So um, like he could, he could bulk up. There's, there's definitely, and I think that is the only thing that's keeping me because I, from having him higher. And that's largely because there's been um, more studies actually showing that 
it is actually weight rather than height that is more critical for the quarterback position. Um, despite the fact that height is commonly used as the biggest differentiator. Was that one huge quarterback Lorenzen? Was that his name? Jared Lorenzen. Yep. The <laughs> he must a- have, he must have skewed those numbers a little bit. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> killed it in the arena football league by the yeah. way r.i.p jared lorenzen um, oh so so my my team that's uh ranked outside the top uh whatever 25 um is the miami hurricanes um i used to love this team when i was a kid i thought they were so fun um so kind of a under it was kind of underwhelming news uh but former houston quarterback Derek king uh is now a Miami hurricane. I thought it was kind of funny that they like redshirted him to save him for this upcoming year. And then he just transferred away anyway. Um, but I think he is a special player. He's someone that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. Uh, Miami also just has been recruiting tons of talent. Like they always do. Um, I think their defense will be improved. Uh, I think they got very unlucky in a lot of ways last year, uh, their schedule. If it's, if it is, you know, conference only won't be too, too difficult. Uh, so I could see Miami, um, you know, if, if some things break right, they could be uh, be a team that is on the rise. Do you think they'll beat Florida International this year? Stop it. <laughs> yes, I do. So, uh, I by the way, that was a really nice they, way to describe the shit show that was Houston last year. Um, I know. Oh Derek King, basic, from most stories, Derek King was uh, forced to redshirt. He was, at the beginning of the year, considered a Heisman Trophy candidate. And then, magically, his season ended. He was my dark horse. I remember in our dark horse Heisman conversation yeah, last year, he was, he was my pick <laughs> and he was a good pick. Now here's my problem. They chose the wrong guy. They shouldn't have brought in King. This is a, uh, as much as I like Derek King, Miami made a poor decision with this move. They should have kept Jaron Williams. Jaron Williams is a higher upside quarterback and had more than one year of eligibility. Miami made a very dumb move here. But they, it might actually pay off for him this year because Derek King is, at least for a single year, he's really electric. He's an, he's similar to Daniels in the sense of because he's so dual threat, he actually provides some serious upside and can change the game. Yeah, and I, I think it could be difficult for, for teams uh, to be able to prep for him with just with who I mean, who knows what it's all going to look like. But I feel like this year, um, even maybe more so than most, these quarterbacks that have so much potential to take over a game, I think we'll be able to see th- those types of teams will be able to separate from others. Uh, let's go to your, your, your next uh, long shot candidate. So I'm going to hit two. I'm, I'm going to do two because they're the same team, but they're not a, like they're kind of are. Uh, they're two teams that they're going to not be good on defense. They're really not. They're not going to actually be special, um, but they have special playmakers. So number one on that list is Nebraska. I know that it kind of sucks. Uh, they Scott Frost might have lost his touch, but I, I kind of doubt that. I think that offense is going to get it figured out this year. Uh, Adrian Martinez, his freshman year was really, really good. I don't know exactly what happened during that sophomore year, but I think he's going to figure out a uh, way to get back into it. And then they do have this. Uh, they do have Wandale Robinson, who, boy, is that dude athletic. Um, he's actually very similar to one of the guys I'm going to name on the next team. Um, so I, I just think he's he's special. And then the other team that is exactly the same is Purdue. Um, Purdue is a team that loves to show up in the big moments and then fail when no one's watching. Um, but they have two of the best wide receivers in the country. 
two guys that are absolutely Debbie targets in every single league. And that's David Bell and Rondale Moore. Um, I don't care who's throwing them the ball. Neither one of them is really trying to run the 40 yard route. They're both trying to just make plays happen after the catch. Yeah, they're going to, they're going to score points. Um, so they might win every single game, 42, 35, but they're going to win a, quite a few games, 42 to 35 this year. Yeah. Um, one of my teams is similar in that their offense is, well, has a potential to be pretty elite, and that's USC. I was surprised that they were not really given much love at all, given that uh, Slovis is someone that everyone expects to to make a big jump this year and be someone who is, you know, kind of a household name. Um, and uh, with the wide receiver, I mean, you, you wrote up the piece. We talked about it before. USC has a, you know, as bad as their recruiting class was this past year, they've got um, pretty solid uh playmakers outside of the running back position. They might, I think they, the could, running, they might have the best wide receiver room in the country. Right. They, they could score an awful lot of points and uh, I could see, you know, a, a, a schedule like they might be having, you know, where they're just playing conference games, you know, they, if they find, find a way to beat Oregon or even keep it close, they're going to be a really hard team to, to shut out. Um, and they might just be able to outscore anyone they play against and people love that. So I could see them moving up. Uh, my other one is Iowa State. I think, um, you know, between uh, Brock Purdy and Brees Hall, I think their offense should be uh, pretty good. We'll have to see what happens with their offensive line. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Iowa State could be a team that maybe isn't super sexy, but finds a way to win a lot of games. Um, so, yeah, th- those are some of the ones uh, I had. But let's, let's jump into our uh, way too early top 10. Give me your number 10 for the upcoming year, Matt. Notre Dame. And it's not that I think Notre Dame's good. It's just that they have an established quarterback um, and they have talent. They still are going to run the ball well because they've been, for the last few years, ever since they brought in a new strength and conditioning coach, they have been much better at developing offensive linemen. They, every year, manage to bring in some of the top offensive linemen. They're going to have a strong offensive line. And because of that, it doesn't really matter who their running back is, but it does matter that they have Ian Book once again returning, assuming I'm not an idiot, which I don't think he graduated. Oh, no, you're correct. He's still there. So Ian, so they have Ian Book, and they're set. They won't be special. I don't necessarily think they're going to be this team that everyone is like, boy, are they a national championship contender? Not really, but they're probably the 10th best team in the country. Okay, yeah. Um, they did not make my list, but they are... I mean, they were someone that that was close enough that I, I looked into them and what their schedule could look like. <laughs> so, uh, so totally can, can see that. Um, my number 10 is the Auburn Tigers. I think Bo Nix sophomore season. Uh, I think it could be uh, a really good one. They had a really pretty decent year last year going nine and four. Uh, they beat my Oregon ducks to start off the year. They kept it close with LSU and Georgia. They did lose to Minnesota in the Outback bowl. So, I mean, but Minnesota, as we saw, was a, a legit team last year. So um, I think Bo Nix, I mean, you look at some of the talent they have on their uh, their skill position players. I mean, you've got Seth Williams, who we're super excited uh, about at wide receiver. And then uh, DJ Williams and even um, Tank Bigsby, who we all know Travis May is a huge fan of uh, running back. They could be really, really good on offense. Um, everyone, you know, they, they're able to recruit well. Their defense is going to be solid. So Auburn is my number 10. That's a good number ten. Um, number they didn't nine. Make your list, though, are they? Are would they be close-ish? Probably. For you? 
The problem yeah. is, is that once it realistically, there's about 14 teams that I think are really good. Um, they're probably in that 10 to 14 range. Yeah. But I don't think they're pro. I, I mean, I don't necessarily think they're number 11. I don't necessarily think they're a great, honestly, I think they're probably the same as Michigan to me. So. Ouch. That's mean. I mean, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just say, but like it, truthfully, the only thing that has them above Michigan is the fact that Bo Nix started at a quarterback last year and Dylan McCaffrey didn't. Right. So they're probably about the same. They were really gimmicky last year. They were not like this. They weren't good at anything. And I, as much as I believe that they're going to be a better team this year. And I think Nick's is good. I actually, I like Bo Nix. Uh, I have a Debbie share of him. Um, uh, I don't necessarily think they're going to be this team that's going to be high scoring enough to really hang. And I, I don't know. Their defense will be fine. They'll, I, they're pro- I'm probably underrating them right now, but whatever. Yeah, that's fine. It's still early. We have the same team at number nine. If you want to tell the people who that is. So this is a team that I said was going to win seven games. Um, I don't think they're going to win seven games and I've kind of come around on them and that's LSU. And the reason I was low on them was because I think Miles Brennan is not a good quarterback. Um, I'm really still mad at them for not going after JT Daniels. That was so stupid. Why didn't they go after Daniels? Um, however, I was really undervaluing or under really thinking one aspect of this. They've been running a terrible offense for a decade and a half. They have not been a good offense until last year. They've been really playing with win in spite of their quarterbacks rather than win because of their quarterback. For such a long time that I don't understand why I thought that they were going to just fall off the face of the earth. They're probably the third most talented team in the SEC behind, or I was about to say Clemson, behind Alabama and Georgia. The only thing that is really separating some of the other teams, uh, but that there's another team I have above them from the SEC. And the only thing that's really separating them is the fact that that team has a quarterback that is a little more trustworthy. So LSU has the number, has the number one running back in the country from 2019's recruiting class who everyone thought was going to be amazing and truthfully I think he's going to be amazing and they've got a very talented defense I was really wrong in saying that they were going to lose as many games as I said but I also don't necessarily have faith that they're going to be a true title contender this year so they're ninth I think if I was going to put point to anyone on this list who is going to fall out of the top 10 it's them because they could lose to Texas A&M, Auburn, Alabama, Florida. They could conceivably lose all those games. And I'm not saying Texas because they're not going to play Texas this year. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, so they're my number nine as well. I will say you're not the only one who's very skeptical on Miles Brennan, but he was, um, you know, pretty high four-star recruit. He was a number six pro quarterback coming out um, in – the class of 2017. So I know he hasn't gotten the opportunity to play much, uh, but I think it will be interesting to see what he can do. Uh, If he's better than you think they could, they could, they have enough talent that they could contend with just about anyone. The, The only issue I have with them is, are they able to keep up if Alabama turns the game into a shootout? Are they able to keep up? Like, actually it's, they should be disappointed. They're not playing Georgia this year because Georgia is the top team that they would actually match up best with. Because even if Georgia is better on offense this year, they're not going to be scoring at the same rate that Alabama does. Um, They may be able to catch a Florida if Florida's offense isn't 
really good, but I don't know. I, I mean, I think I, I really do think, I think they're going to struggle with, with a Texas A&M who has a lot of talent. I think they could struggle with Auburn if Bo Nix takes a leap. So it's not that I think they're bad and it's not that I, I have them in my top 10. Um, it's just that I think that this isn't going to be, if anyone is thinking LSU repeat national championship, get that out of your head. It probably, it, there, I would be flabbergasted if that happened. Yeah. I will double my donation to charity for losing this against the spread thing. If LSU wins the national championship. <laughs> Sounds good. It's, it's on, it's on record now. Who's your number eight team? My number eight team is Oregon and the pure 100% reason for this is because of Anthony Brown, because Anthony Brown is such a good quarterback. I actually don't have a good reason for this. Really. My answer is, is they've been very good. I don't think the Pac-12 is very good. I think they're, uh, the fact that they're now avoiding Ohio state is very likely to be good for their record. I think that it's hard to argue. They're not the most talented team in their conference. And if their conference is only playing each other, that they're most likely going to go undefeated. So they're a good team. They're actually probably a, one of the sleeper contenders for a national title just because if there is a playoff, the best thing that you can have um, for a chance to win a national title is an opportunity, and they might have an opportunity. Right, and and I'll give my thoughts on Oregon in a little bit because uh, they are in my top 10, but I don't have them yet. My number eight is Oklahoma State. Uh, Spencer Sanders will need to take a step forward, especially in the turnover department. He had, uh, I think he threw, uh, I know he threw double-digit picks. I think it was 11, but I know he had a, bunch of turnover like uh, fumbles as well so if he can get that under control i think oklahoma state could surprise some people uh I'm a, i know everyone they're kind of everyone's darling so maybe they're not surprising anyone in the beginning i did not you want to like the oklahoma cover three state. podcast that's why <laughs> I, I do i do a lot of people are high on them and i wanted to be anti-oklahoma state but it's just much more fun um rooting for them and, and you know i think i think hubbard's amazing so oklahoma state is my number eight i think you know if anything really slows them down, really hurts them. It'll be the, you know, their defense. That, that could be a problem. Uh, who do you got at number seven? Oh, we've got the same number seven. Wait, do we want to say it together on three? One, yeah. two, three. Penn State. Penn State. Oh, you. <laughs> I was going to say Nittany Lions, but. <laughs> um, so I, I mentioned it actually when I talked about the, the article I'm writing about them. Sean Clifford's fine. He was a, I mean, he was about an eight, 8.8 AYA quarterback. Um, he's going into his fourth year on campus. I, I just don't, I mean, it's weird to think that a guy who's actually quality is a hindrance. I, I kind of think they'd be better with Will Levis, who is their backup quarterback starting just because he's a little more dynamic with his legs, but he's also worse with his uh, arm. But the biggest thing for me about them is that they have the best defensive player in the country on their team. Micah Parsons, for as much as like, he's not going to get the credit uh, or not get the same publicity that uh, one other non-quarterback will get, um, and that's on your penne, so we'll get a ton more credit. I think that in, as a non-quarterback guy who should be considered for the top pick, Micah Parsons should be that guy, not mm. Sewell. And I say that because he is the most terrifying player that Ohio State faced last year on defense. He has the opportunity to change every game on every single snap, and it's still, it makes me mad that he's not wearing scarlet and gray because he should be in screw you cur- curb street. So um, I think they're going to be good. I think they're probably, actually, I, I don't even think probably, they are the second most talented team in the Big Ten. And yeah, I mean, if Clifford were, if 
if you swapped out Clifford for Justin Fields, which, sorry, Penn State fans, that was a thought once upon a time. He was committed to you. Um, <laughs> if if they had Justin Fields or they had a Trevor Lawrence, if they had, really, if they had any of the elite quarterbacks, heck, even like a Sam Howe, this would be a team that could contend with Ohio State. And heck, they'll still give them a good game, but I think that the I, the likelihood of them beating Ohio State is pretty slim. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have them at number seven too, mainly because of their defense. I mean, they were a top, they were top eight in score. Well, I say top eight; they were number eight in scoring defense, and that was despite the fact that they had um, at times pretty horrific cornerback play. So, um, you know, another year in the system. I think those guys will improve. Like you said, Parsons is a game changer. I think Journey Brown is going to take a big step forward this year um, and kind of continue that legacy, as you mentioned, of, of that the recent uh, running back machine that Penn State has been. Uh, so, yeah, number seven for me. Number six. Number six, I have Florida. Um, you and I, neither one of us, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a fan of Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask was the best option they had on the team last year. It wasn't close when... Uh, Felipe Franks went out against Kentucky. I texted my buddy who was in the stadium and told him you're screwed because Kyle Trask is a whole lot better. Um, they've got Damon Pierce and Lorenzo Lingard at running back. Lingard's actually really interesting. He was the number two running back in his class. I believe he has eligibility this year. I hope he has eligibility because he's fun. Um, some interesting, they do have interesting receivers. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that any of them are pros. Trayvon Grimes is a former Ohio state commit who flipped uh, or who went transferred to Florida. He has talent. I think he could be good. Probably not going to be that meaningful or put up any spectacular numbers. The one guy to watch on this team, the guy that could be the true game changer is Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts very well could be the next Travis Kelsey. Very well could be the next Kittle. Um, He is a phenomenal receiver. He is um, very, 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 very good. And he is the type of player that they need to really open up this offense. So they're very good. I, I hope they're smart and don't try and run Emory Jones every time they get <clears throat> within the 15 yard line again, like they basically did last year. Um, yeah. They And realistically they're, they have a ridiculous defense. They're going to be good. Yeah. So Florida didn't make my list only because you're crazy. Um, because yeah, I just put Auburn in at 10 instead of them. I was kind of going back and forth and I won't lie. Part of it was just, you know, wanting to have a different top 10 than, than you. Uh, but I put Auburn in over Florida, but I do think Florida is very good. I will be, it will be interesting, interesting to see uh, what Trask can do on offense, because as you said, their defense is going to be great. Uh, we'll see if, if Trask can get the job done. My number six and people may be shocked that I'm already talking about my Oregon Ducks. You may have expected them to be higher for me, but I am a realist, if nothing else. Oregon always finds a way of breaking my heart, so uh, presuming them to finish top four is uh, unlikely. But uh, they've got their new offensive coordinator in Moorhead coming up from Mississippi State. I think he is going to do wonders for um, the new quarterback, uh, Tyler Shuck, who I believe will be the starting quarterback for the Oregon Ducks this year. I think he will beat out Brown for the position. Um, I think Anthony Brown is a nice safety net, but I think Shuck offers a lot more upside. Of course, we've talked about Oregon quite a bit already uh, this season, so I don't have to jump into all their skill position players. But I will just say um, their offensive line, uh, I think uh, PPF, uh, PFF ranked them as like the number one offensive line in college. Uh, of course, a lot of that is because of – Pinay, as you mentioned earlier, they also have a really, really great defense, uh, probably the best defense in the Pac-12. 
um, and they're bringing in a lot of really exciting, game-changing guys. Um, uh, another great recruiting I class. So I on Thibodeau six times. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, the man, as a freshman last year, was just insane. I think, I, I, I don't remember if this stat is correct, but it's something like, I think he led the nation in fourth quarter sacks which is kind of weird, but like when teams had to try to come back against Oregon, um, he could just pin his ears back and get around the corner and crush the quarterback. So he's, he's awesome. Uh, we brought in those, uh, th- those pair of a uh, five-star linebacker. So, I mean, Oregon's going to be awesome. I think we have two, two of our D backs are on the short list for uh, the top, like the preseason top, was it the Maxwell award? I don't remember which one it is, but whatever one goes for the DB, we've got two of them. So, um, yeah, so no Maxwell's offense. Uh, so it'll be fun. I'm excited for Oregon, but I don't think that they're, I think they're going to slip up. I don't think they're going to finish ahead of top six, but uh, but six is still pretty good. So uh, give me your, our, our one through five, we kind of have the same, just in a because little bit of a different should. order. You uh, should have this top five. If you're projecting so, a different top five this year, <laughs> you are wrong. Your order you can argue over, but if you're putting a different top five together in the preseason, you're doing it to be, uh, hot takey and you're wrong and you should feel bad. But the question is, how do we discuss these? <laughs> so we'll, whatever. We'll, we'll go. Give me your number five and then I'll tell you where I have them ranked. Yeah. Well, okay. So number five for me is Oklahoma. You can say they were, yeah. I have them at number four. Okay. So the reason I have them five is because they're very good. Their defense is still going to suck. Um, whoa, and they whoa, are having whoa, to, whoa, whoa. Their defense is still going to de- stop. Who's their defensive coordinator? I don't care. Uh, he is a former Ohio State coach. He's a traitor. Um, <laughs> don't you think? No, like seriously though, their their defense. It was better than it was improved. the year before. And don't you think another year um, under this coaching staff will help them improve even more? I mean, yeah. They let up. Let me. I'm pulling this number up because I'm sorry. I have to fight you on this one. So they were the 64th overall defense in points allowed per game. They allowed 27.3 points per game. Sure, that's fine. They were the same team that's still trying to win games. Now they're just trying to win it 42 to 28 instead of 42 to 35. They trimmed but off. I think I think they Alex might get better. They have a lot of will they have a lot yeah. of talent. Alex Grinch is very good at handling a team that wants to play a shootout offense. I stand by my statement that they are an offensive focused team. And while you can get shootout offenses to a point where the defense is fine, it is very, very unlikely that you will turn a shootout offense uh, team into a good defense. That's fair. Because that's what his results that he's having right now are very similar to what he did with Washington state. Now he has more talented than them, but let's say they're, they move up. So now he has the 40th best defense in the country. It's good. It's fine. They're going to win all their games this year, but realistically they're the 40th best defense in the country. They are not the, they are not a top 15 defense. Yeah. That's so we, we talked a little bit about the skilled players at Oklahoma when I was uh, mentioning the article coming up. So yeah. One one thing I do think everyone kind of needs to like remember is that while Sam Howell and Jane Daniels got and Keaton Slovis got a ton of deserved press last year, the number one quarterback coming out of that out of high school in that class yeah. was Spencer Rattler. He yep. is mobile-ish, 
He is he is a capable passer. There is a reason he was number one in this class, and it's because he's that good. And if you're telling me that he gets Lincoln Riley's offensive mind with him, they're going to be very, very good. So, yes, they're having a new QB. Yes, it is. It's not Jalen Hurts. It's not Kyler Murray. It's not Baker Mayfield. He very well might be that good. It's just we haven't seen it yet. So yeah, I, I am willing to say that their offense might be as good as it has been in recent years. Actually, I'm guessing their passing game is better than last year, largely because I think Hertz was pretty limited. So I, I do think that it will be it'll be good for them. Yeah, yeah. So I totally agree. So Oklahoma's my number four. I'm going to go to my number five, um, which is Georgia. Um, and I, I think the Bulldogs are this. QB. That's weird. You should have put QBs. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, there was a theme. Half these teams that we're talking about today in the top 10 um, all have new quarterbacks, which is really, really interesting. But it's why my top two are the ones they are. Uh, but Georgia, yeah, quarterback battle. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen there. But I have a lot of faith that Georgia will be able to uh, continue to win a ton of games. And that is because their defense is, in my opinion, second to none. I think they probably have the best defense in the country. Uh, They were able to just completely shut down teams last year. I don't think their offense is going to have to do anything all that crazy for them to win a lot of games. Um, I think, you know, Zamir White, he's a former, you know, five-star guy who was one of the top running backs out that year. They've got George Pickens, who's everyone's one of everyone's favorite wide receivers this year. Like they're going to be just fine on offense. I think whoever it is, whether it's Jamie Newman or Daniels or whomever, um, I think they'll be able to handle the work and, uh, and and put them in position to, you know, score the 17 points they need to win. Yeah, they were, they were the number one scoring defense in the country last year. Obviously everyone remembers the game where they got just destroyed by LSU, but realistically they, they held, Baylor to 14 points. They held, uh, I don't want to say Georgia Tech. They held Texas A&M to 13. They held Auburn to 14. They held Missouri to zero. They held Florida to 17. It's a team that was not going to let you get into a rhythm unless your name was LSU. Um, And you have the number four to be, just to let everyone know, you have them as your number four team. They are my number four team. Um, Georgia is... Like they're, they're going to have a great defense. They're going to be, they, they do have good receivers. And uh, number one on that list is George Pickens. He is, he probably should be in the conversation for the wide receiver one in Debbie. And the only reason why he's not is largely because of the fact that he has one more year until he is eligible. Um, Samir white is a guy to watch. He's another guy you'll probably hear about throughout the year for me because he was the number one running back in his class came off an ACL surgery, and now all of a sudden people have kind of forgotten him. Um, he's a good guy to actually potentially send a trade off for foreign Debbie leagues because he is very good, and ACL surgery is not something that really is going to hinder you that badly, assuming you only have one. So I think that offense will be better this year. I don't necessarily think they're going to be a 30-point offense, but I do think that there's a chance where they are scoring 27 points a week and that's going to be plenty to win all but one of their games. Yep, exactly. And that's why they will. Yeah, I totally agree with you. All right. We're number down three. to number three. We have the same team here. Go for it. Alabama. Yeah. Um, so Alabama is our number three team. The You'd think losing Tua is 
real. It, I mean, it, it is hurt. It, it will hurt any team. Losing one of the most dynamic quarterbacks of the last decade will hurt every single team. However, they have this guy. Uh, I was going to do a joke and then say Mac Jones, but I don't feel like doing that. I think Bryce Young is going to be the starter by the season's end. I think he is very dynamic. He was the top player in 247, uh, just their specific rankings of all players. He was their number one quarterback and their number one overall player. He is, he's on that shorter side. He's probably more in the Kyler Murray builds than he is more other recent players, but he's really good. He's, um, generational is a stupid phrase when we have a generational quarterback every three years, but um, he's very good. I think he has the chance to be the starter immediately. Um, And if he's not Mac Jones is fine. It's not like Mac Jones really embarrassed himself. He lost one game and everyone remembers that, but we were talking about an Alabama team that if they win that game uh, against Auburn, they're probably in the playoff with Mac Jones and yeah, they might get destroyed by LSU in the first round, but they're still pretty solid. And he gets to throw the ball to Jalen Waddle, and he gets to throw the ball to Devonta Smith. And that's not even to bring up the guys that I am not as familiar with yet that have not had a lot of work. So they, yeah. That, and, and the reason they didn't have a lot of work is because their wide receiver room four, is always there were so four deep. First round wide receivers on that team. <laughs> so crazy. That team was stupid good. Um, so yeah, Alabama is my number three team. They're your number three team. They probably should be the number three team unanimously because the number two team in my list and the number one team on your list is Clemson. Um, who do they have at quarterback? I can't remember some yeah. kid named some some kid named Trevor. But before we talk about them, I also just want to say um, I'm a huge fan of the running back room in Alabama. As always, a lot of people love Najee Harris. I'm a huge Trey Sanders guy. I think you like Trey Sanders a lot too. I think Najee Harris gets more work. I think Trey Sanders has more uh, has more efficiency. But yeah, Trevor Lawrence with Clemson obviously is elite. And uh, I know we differ on this, but he is my quarterback one. Um, Wrong. I know he's your quarterback Wrong. two. <laughs> uh, no, he's, but yeah, I, I can actually say this. I think it is the most likely outcome in all outcomes is that Trevor Lawrence is the top pick in next year's NFL draft. My reason for not having him number one is not based on the fact that I think Fields will get drafted above him. It is because I think that Fields' ceiling is higher because of what he does. But when you talk about ceiling, do you, are you referring to I think play or fantasy points? Scoring potential in the NFL. I so think strictly that, fantasy points. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. that Fields has the chance to be what Lamar Jackson is. But I, I, and I said this last year. I think Fields is a better passer than Lamar Jackson. And I think he is just as athletic. And I think if you're talking about that type of combination, you would take that over really almost anyone. So you're talking about it. I mean, really, we might be talking about the next Pat Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Right. And I think right. in my situation, I would prefer a guy like Lamar Jackson. And that's why he's my 101. Yeah. But. We're That's not fair. we're not to Ohio State yet because and I have a share of each. I'm pretty happy. I've got I've got I've got one share of each. So I have, either way, I'm good. <laughs> I have multiple rosters with both of them. I'm real happy. Um, so Clemson is my number two team, and the, the reason they're my number two team is because their defense is going to be absurd. Kind of doesn't matter. Um, and they've got the best quarterback in the country, and they still have ETN. My only concern for them, and this is 
very minor when you compare it to any other team in this top 10 is I think the fact that they're losing T Hig- or that they lost T Higgins and, and that they Ross. are losing and they lost Justin Ross. Yeah. All of a sudden now you, Trevor Lawrence has to redevelop relationships with his top receivers. And so his top receivers are now Joe Nagata and Frank Ladson and Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell. Um, all very talented in their own right, all incredible receivers, but they do not have the built-in relationship that Justin Ross had or T Higgins had. So he's going to, while I do think it will, they're still going to end up undefeated because unless they somehow, I don't even think they could lose to Notre Dame if you got put through them on the schedule, but their schedule is going to be a cakewalk compared to most schedules. And I think there's a decent chance that, um, we're going to do kind of the same thing we did last year, which was, oh man, they don't look quite as good. Hmm. Right. It's weird that a team like North Carolina is taking them to overtime, even though they end up winning the game because they have this brilliant quarterback who can't be stopped. So yeah. I think that it's another very good team. I think there's a chance that they are, uh, that I'm going to feel real foolish for having them number two, but I just don't think they, I, I think it's being, really easily overlooked the fact that they basically have to overhaul their wide receiver core. Yeah, I I agree. I think it will be difficult, but I also think that by the time it matters, by the time they're playing tough competition, if there's a playoff that they'll have figured that out. Um, So yeah, uh, I agree with everything that you said. Uh, I just have them them as one. I have them as number one. You have them as number two. My number two is your number one. Who is your number one, Matt? My number one (laughs) is the best team in the country. It's Ohio state. I'm not biased. I'm not, I didn't go to Ohio state. I'm not a Homer. I don't live in Ohio. Um, no, Ohio state. Um, is there bias in this? Sure. I I don't ever lie about it. I know I'm a Homer, but I also think there's a reason why if you listen to the, uh, position you series on college to campus or college to Canton, if you, uh, ever, if you followed along with the two, four, seven position, you series that they put out, there's a reason why Ohio state was at, basically at the top of most lists they're super talented every year the fact that they only have two titles in the last 20 years is probably a disappointment even though mathematically it's not um they're just that good so this is the type of team that i think could win another national title for them i think the receiving core for as good as their offense was last year i think the receiving core might be better while i do think they're going to be hurt by the loss of jk dobbins i think they have in the aggregate of Master Teague, Marcus Crowley, and Trey Sermon. They might be even better at running back. They're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country with a bunch of people that you aren't familiar with yet, but they're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country. And on defense, yeah, there's some concern about losing Chase Young, but the one thing about Ohio State is that they can always produce a really good defensive lineman, and they have guys uh, waiting in the wings who are going to do that. Um, If you want me to point out, if you want me to be completely fair and completely balanced about all this yes their secondary took a hit they lost all four starters from last year's uh number one defense or number one passing defense i don't know that at one point they were the number one defense um so they do have to replace those guys the the one perk about being ohio state is uh you get to replace those guys with five stars so they've got <laughs> right. a bunch of five stars so yeah my uh, and my only thing that might that's the only negative thing i was going to say was you know you're placing a lot on the defense and of course like you said ohio state is able to recruit and bring new guys in and the guys that have been here been there that most of us don't know their names yet by the end of the season we certainly will 
Uh, so yeah, I think even though you are a homer, uh, there's a reason Ohio State is, you know, I've got them at number two. So it's not like you're being crazy on them. Like they definitely deserve to be in this conversation for sure. So yeah, so that's, I, I mean, I think that's the, the I, we, we said it when we got to the top five or I said it because I'm more brazen than you. Um, you can't have, right now, those are the top five teams. There is a, right now, there is a class of teams of the rich in the world of college football right now, the rich will continue to get richer and the gap is honestly separating because for as much as Oklahoma can be a joke, for as much as we can make fun of Oklahoma and the Big 12 for never having a representative in the college football playoff national championship, it's weird to say that. Uh, they basically have had a team in there every single year and that team has been Oklahoma. And that team is seemingly getting better every single year. And if there's a chance I'm wrong. Maybe Alex Grinch does turn that offense or that defense into a top 20 defense. That team becomes a true national title contender. So I, I just think right now it's, we're at a really unique point, or I don't even know if it's fully unique, but it feels unique that there are five teams. And if any one of the, it would be a very big surprise to anyone who followed, follows college football. If one of those five teams does not win the national championship and even Florida homers who are sitting here mad that I have them at six and not number one would probably agree with me. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Uh, give me your top 10 real quick from number one to 10, uh, and then I'll give mine, and then we can uh, let everyone go because we're at a we're at like almost three hours now. Oh, well, that's, that's <laughs> a standard short show for us. All right, so number one, I have Ohio <laughs> State because they're the best. Number two, I have Clemson. Three, Alabama. Four, Georgia. Five, Oklahoma. Six, Florida. Seven, Penn State, eight, Oregon, nine, LSU, 10, Notre Dame. Yes, and mine are number one, Clemson, two, Ohio State, three, Alabama, followed by Oregon. No, I'm just kidding. Followed by Oklahoma, then Georgia. Number six is Oregon, seven, Penn State, eight, Oklahoma State, nine, LSU, and 10, the Auburn Tigers. Um I just really hope that we have football. <laughs> that, that's every time we do this podcast, I'm like, God, I hope there's football. I really want to be able to talk about games. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you. I'm trying to remain optimistic. Um, it's the, it's the one thing that I'm every day hoping that we get positive news uh, in hoping it goes this way. I mean, I think we can take some solace on the fact that there were 104 tests in the Notre Dame football program today, and they got 104 negative tests. Oh, great. So, I didn't see that. That's good. Yep. Um, and the fact that Clemson's big outbreak that they started with, I think they had 23 players test positive. Um, within two weeks, they are fully clear. So it does yes. seem like at least the staffs um, and the players and everyone around that are taking it as serious as you can while completely ignoring social distancing. So... Um, <laughs> Oh man. I mean, let, let's take solace in the fact that they, that they are at least taking their protocols that they are obligated to do seriously. And yeah. who knows, maybe, maybe we'll see some good college football this year and Ohio state will get another national championship. There you go. I love it. Um, any, as we said earlier, we're not going to be back for a couple of weeks. Uh, probably about three weeks before we're back and we'll do some, uh, some some debate with uh we'll try to get uh, travis on that show and do some debate about our rankings because those should be up by then uh but before we uh hit stop and i publish this bad boy any any parting words bye chris alave 
There you have it. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.